This hour underway on a Friday, April 14th. Flames talk from the Dome on Locker Cleanout Friday. Yeah, it's Friday, April 14th. Vickers and Steinberg in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. And boy, did we have a ton to sink Ooh. our teeth into here at the Dome on a Friday. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit Calgary Lock and Safe. Dot com. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, that's where you can get Flames Taco. Hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And it's time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Calgary's is the only family of products curated for the tastes of Calgarians. And you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. And uh, inside hockey on a Friday is always Eric Francis Fridays. We welcome in sports. That's Eric Francis right now uh, as we digest all of what we heard on Locker Cleanout Friday. What's going on, franchise? It was an interesting day, as it always is, when the boys get out the garbage bags. When was the last time that we actually saw garbage bags? Like, have you yeah. you've been doing this longer than I have? Have you ever seen them actually use garbage bags? Yeah, you know what? I was like, God, that's this is year probably like 26, 27. I was explaining to my son why they call it Green Garbage Bag Day because, of course, kids today don't even see garbage bags, period. Right? It's all bins. And, like, so I'm trying to explain, like, uh, so they have these garbage bags. He's like, why are they green? Well, they used to be green. Anyway, <laughs> no, it's been, a, it's been a while. Generally, the lads get provided with some really nice, cushy, Flames-logoed bags to take home with them, whatever it is that they're carrying out to their truck. But but we used to have a photographer when I was over at the paper. Like, we'd have a photographer stationed in the parking lot getting photos of the guys with their, literally with their green or black garbage bags and and putting them in the back of their F150s and such. So so that there is some merit to the old the old saying, but it doesn't happen now. I wonder like will that live on forever or will will like will we always call, always call it that or I don't know. It's a it's that's for another time. It's an existential question that we just don't have time to to dive into today. And what uh, You know what else? You know what else was for another time was those photographers, we also used to have them strategically positioned around the dome to try and get a photo of Mika Kippersop every year. It was almost <laughs> like a game. You know, could he really elude all of us for like the fifth year in a row? And he was Houdini, man. No one ever got a photo of Mika Kippersop uh, leaving the dome on Green Garbage Bag Day. It was just never something that you'd ever find. He never came to talk to us. He, he just always found his. Maybe he didn't even show up in the first was, place. He just. I said, was gonna say, do you have confirmation? Finland, yeah. He was already on the plane, buddy. Never showed up yeah, in the building. Exactly. Yeah, he just did exactly. his exit interview on the phone. They're like, "Hey, how'd you feel? I stopped a lot of pucks." Okay, see, like, what, what, what's the exit interview with Mika Kiprasov consist of anyway? Like, hey, uh, you're gonna be our number one goalie next year. Okay, bye. Like, I, I don't, I don't really understand. Yeah. He doesn't even need to be here for it. What was any interview? Uh, about with Mika Kurpersov, other than him basically kind of bugging well, out he'd his forget eyes to speak. He'd forget how to speak English. That was always fun to see to yeah. what extent his English would show up. 
Well, I always thought it was really courteous. You knew you were going to get at least a full sentence out of him when he would have the uh, uh, he would take the courtesy of taking the, his chew out of his mouth first for the interview. I thought that was always really nice. He'd usually do it right in front of you too. It was really pleasant. Oh, that guy was a legend. Um, what a legend! Yes. Was there was there a theme today, Francis? Guys, was there like one theme that that you came away with, or was it like a a story? Was it one or two comments? I'm just curious. Like, if you as as Francis, you're home now. Uh, we're still here, but as as you reflect on it, as you go back and think about what we heard to wrap up the 2022-23 season on this Friday, like what what sticks out at you? What's going to stick with most with you? Uh, without question, it's the pause. The pause that uh, Michael Backlund had when we asked him, would you consider signing an extension? You know, as of July 1st, they can start to talk about an extension to their contract. And the pause and the the stumbling, he was trying so carefully to choose his words, but it was pretty clear uh, that he said, listen, I don't, you know, I want to win a Stanley Cup which is to say that he doesn't think this team can win a Stanley Cup anytime soon. That, that's the translation. And that, that was the takeaway. Lindholm almost echoed it. He didn't get into why he wouldn't resign here, but he basically said, I got one year left, and that's all there is to say. Those guys are gone. They're gone. I'd heard this before, um, and, and I think you know that was the number one thing I wanted to kind of get to today. I ask all those guys, all six guys that are here, and seven if you include Oliver Shillington, whose contracts expire at the end of next season, like that's a third of your roster. You know, that's the core of this franchise. When you think about who they are, Hannafin, Toffoli, um, Zadorov, Shillington, Tanev. Lindholm, Backlund, and Tanev. You know, I, I, I don't see many of those guys sticking around. But And that's not just a reflection on the fact that this is a real hard city to sell now to an NHL player like that's obvious, right? That's very obvious that, you know, you don't have a nice new rink. You don't have nice weather. Uh, tax situation is okay, but not great. Um, you're in the middle of nowhere. You've got one of the worst travel schedules in the NHL. Like, there's a lot of reasons why most players in the NHL would never consider coming to Calgary if they have a choice. And these guys have lived it, and you compound those factors with the fact that this they're just coming off, you know, arguably the most frustrating season of their career and yep. a long history of playoff failure, add it all together, no doubt Michael Backlund is gone the first chance he gets. So, so what's significant about that, because people say, well, who cares? That's next year. No, no, no. When they found out that Matthew Kachuk wasn't coming back a full year ahead of time, they immediately traded him. It's not the same, but... This organization has a major decision to make. Are you going to trade Backlund and Lindholm now? Or are you going to trade them at the trade deadline? Or are you all in for next year and you're going to ride it out and lose them as UFAs like they did with Johnny Gaudreau? I'm not sure the fan base would stand for that anymore. So tough decisions ahead. I don't have a guess as to whether or not they'll trade those guys in the summer or at the trade deadline. But whoever the GM is has a tough decision to make right away here. Okay, and, and I want to. Vickers has a somewhat different interpretation on the backland front, and I want to jump in okay. on that in a second. But let me ask you this: Are they gone if they're if it's like? Are they gone if it's a different head coach? 
Do you think that that changes things for either guy? Is it is it a is it a direction thing, or is it just in your eyes, in your opinion, that it's just time to move on for both guys? I think I think it's all of it. Listen, a ton of those guys all went to Matthew Kachuk's house when we were there in Florida this year. They sat there, they ate wonderful food right next to the ocean. They saw the lifestyle that Matthew Kachuk is living. They heard about it, and I think it probably opened up. It's not like it's the first time they knew that there were greener pastures out there, but I think to see it from a former teammate and see how happy he was over there, probably hear him talk about how great the coach is and how much he loves the coach and the coach loves him, and just the whole the whole environment. I just think those guys saw that, and it, 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 it's all part of the big picture. If the coach is not here next year, sure, there's a – I'll add a few more percentage points to the possibility that one of them would entertain an extension. Um, but I think generally speaking, I think we all see guys that this, this organization is one year away from, you know, if it's not a rebuild, it's a massive retooling. And uh, those guys see it too. And, and, and retooling or not, they see the group they have right now. There was such high expectations and I don't think they were unwarranted and they saw how flat, they fell on their face. And I think they're realizing we can't win here. We cannot win here. And, and I think that's, I think it's a combination of everything. But at the end of the day, I think for Backlund, it's like, wow, this proved to me this year conclusively that we're not anywhere close. The, uh, the Lindholm front's interesting to me because I've been saying for quite some time, the, the Lindholm thing didn't surprise me because I've been no. saying for, for a few months that you know the, the read is uncertain as to whether or not Lindholm has a desire to re-sign long-term. That's kind of the, the way I've been putting it on the post game and anytime we've been talking about Lindholm's future. Because I, cause I, it's, it's been something that I've been aware of for a while that there just hasn't been a lot of vibes that suggest that he's super uh, dialed in necessarily necessarily on signing long term and that doesn't mean he won't but it's very uncertain and definitely not a guarantee the backland thing's a little bit more interesting to me and and i do wonder to your point francis if this season changed things and even the even what has happened in the last week the fact that they didn't end up getting in they were so close and it felt like for maybe a little bit there they might do it i i think that that changed things even a little bit more in terms of the non-committal side but you vickers you got a, a slightly different feel on the backland thing based on the the follow-up that i think uh wes asked about you know the him wanting to him wanting to stay in calgary or what it would take yeah, Michael Backlund was pretty clear that he wants to win the Stanley Cup. And, and for me, I prefer a player that wants to win a Stanley Cup over just staying comfortable, staying what he's familiar with. But Michael Backlund did preface it by saying his dream, like anyone else, is to win the Stanley Cup. The biggest dream of all would be to win here in Calgary. I do love it here in Calgary. I think it's a situation where, from an organizational standpoint and a player standpoint, you can walk into his final year before hitting unrestricted free agency and get a feel for where he is. He can get a feel for where the team is. And I don't think you're at a significant disadvantage on the trade market front if you wait until the trade deadline and flip him because I think he's almost equally as valuable on whatever the equivalent is to March 3rd this year as he is in the summer in terms of his trade value. I agree. That's the perfect ad at a deadline for a team, is it not? Like every team wants to shore up their, their squad defensively. And he is, you know, we, we all know he's one of the best defensive centers in the league. He's the ultimate pro. He's just had a career year. Like there are a lot of reasons why 
he may just have the same value at the deadline. I, I don't disagree with you there. Um, listen, guys, I've been hearing whispers about Backlund asking for a trade in the past, yep. and then apparently he rescinded it. I've never had the chance to really sit down and kind of ask him about that, nor do I think a player really wants to talk about that. That's not something they want out there in the public, but I have it on pretty good authority. So it, it, that didn't surprise me. Like I went today planning to write about those guys, and they, you know, they, they fed right into the narrative that I was expecting, which is, and listen, it's not just an indictment of Calgary. How many guys, when they first get that chance to be a UFA, don't go and seek greener pastures? Like, it's the norm. It's not, it's not abnormal for guys to do that, and especially with all the pain and frustration and cold weather and travel and all that that's here. Right. I, I, I do not blame a single guy. So I don't want anyone to think less of Michael Backlund. Hey, give him full credit. The guy was being honest today. The standard line was the line Hannafin gave, and I'm not – I'm not. I, I believe Hannafin means it, but he's like, I love this city. I'd certainly be open to talking about an extension. I love the fans. You're like, it's right out of the NHLPA playbook, right? If you, if they told you what to say, that's what you'd say. Every agent would tell you to say that. Those two guys chose not to say that, which I think yeah. is impressive. I think it's amazing because guess who said that last year? You remember? There were two gentlemen yep. who stood there and said. I asked them both. Well, what hey, one Johnny, of them? Johnny. One of them? One of them wasn't. One of them was like, "Yeah, I loved it here, and I'll keep and and we'll see what happens." But I loved it here. And the other was a direct a direct answer to an Eric Francis question about whether or not he'd be open to signing a long term contract extension. And and the guy who wore number nineteen said, "Absolutely, I'd be open. I love it here." Like Johnny didn't say really anything other than he loved Calgary. He gave what I think you said when we were talking earlier today. He gave the NHLPA stock answer. Matthew Kachuk did not when you asked him that last year. I remember it vividly. Yeah, well, and I don't blame Kachuk. That guy, he's he knows the, the, the answer to give every single time more than almost anybody in the league. So I think that both those guys led us on that, that of course, they'd be open. Like, who doesn't leave all your options open in life, period, right? You always say, oh, sure, I'd be willing to talk about it. But those two guys are so convinced, in my opinion, that they're gone, that they couldn't even lie. They couldn't even throw a little white lie out there. They basically just said, uh, you know, we'll see what will happen. Both of them said those exact words. We'll see what's going to happen. And I do like, you know, Backlund did say, hey, um, you know, I want to see what this team does. So, you know, yes. to your point about the coach, I want to see, I think he wants to see if this coach is back. I think he wants to see if tree living is back. There are so many factors uh, that, that could alter his odds slightly, but at the end of the day, he probably wants to know, see if Lindholm's back for sure. Right. Those two guys are good buds, good Swedish buddies. Um, you know, the, the Oliver Shillington situation is there are so many things, you know, what if next year they get off to a horrible start? Well, if they get up to a horrible start next year, then if assuming Sutter's back, then I think he'd have a pretty short leash. And then I think there'd be a massive sell-off if they started if they had a horrible start to the season next year. Then it's like, okay, this is not working two years in a row, and these guys are all expiring on their contracts, and they're not. Some of them are not committing to anything right now. Okay, yard sale. Let's just start really liquidating and completely retool on the fly. I'm getting ahead of myself, but at the end of the day, 
Um, those guys, what I thought, what they said today, thumbs up. Thumbs up for not hiding. I mean, I, I think they thought maybe they could kind of hide it, but they didn't hide it at all, and I think that's wonderful. Good kudos to both of them. Francis with us. It's Eric Francis Fridays here on Flames Talk. Okay, I want to talk about Lindholm specifically and how you handle this one, guys, because you know, Michael Backlund's 34 and, and his contract will expire at 35, and I think it's a little bit different when he's only played for one organization. I don't, I don't know if you need to get into the, the whole asset management conversation quite the same way you do with Lindholm, but Elias is 28. He is not a drafted player by the Flames, and if if indeed what we believe could happen happens and he's not super stoked about signing here long term when do you make the move guys when do you when do you make that trade do you do it this off season do you wait until the season begins francis what do you do francis you go first vickers you go next like what when's the right time to make a deal for elias lindholm because you can't johnny gaudreau yourself with this guy it depends who the general manager is. If it's a new general manager, he may have a slightly different mandate than the one that's uh, currently running the team right now. And I do believe we're going to have a different GM. And so, you know, he may come in and they may say, look, we've got to start getting a little younger. Well, there's your easiest way to start doing it is to trade away one of your biggest chips. And I do believe the market for an Elias Lindholm would be massive, absolutely massive. I really believe that. I know it's he's only got one year left on his deal, but – two-way centers like that a guy they don't grow on trees like this guy finished second only to Bergeron last year wasn't it in the Selkie trophy vote I mean (laughs) what team in the league wouldn't kill to have a Bergeron I don't I know he's not Bergeron but boy the numbers he had last year were similar to Bergeron they're actually better than Bergeron's last year but hey uh I I wasn't necessarily convinced they had to trade Kachuk in the summer last year when I knew that he wasn't going to come back I thought they would probably still try to get at least two or three months out of him. Um, obviously, they got quite a windfall for him, and I know, I know history, history shows maybe <laughs> otherwise. But, but, but let's just keep it real for what everyone saw at the time. Um, I don't know. To answer your question, uh, I think you get more this summer, and I think it you know, can help you retool your team, not on the fly mid, mid-season next year, but let's start fresh next year with a new guy. Right. Um, but, then again, but then again, what's hard about this is, this team is basically largely going to be the same team next year, uh, in my opinion, and certainly contractually, that's the way it looks right now. Um, and, and it's not a bad team. On paper, we all still think that this is a pretty good team. I do anyway. Um, and, I, you know, it's, hard, it's tough to give up on this, on this group right now, but if you trade away Lindholm, you're starting to give up on this group right now, in my opinion. But then again, you've got to go out and find out what's out there. I don't know, I'm dancing all around it. Uh, I certainly think you have to have talks around the league to find out what he's worth, and if the right price comes along, then you do trade him this summer. That's how I'll answer it. I'll, I'll be a little bit more direct, and if I find out on July 1st that Elias Lindholm isn't interested in a contract extension at any number with the Calgary Flames, I make him available to the league on July 1st. And I wait, and I sit, and I see what the offers come in at because, to me, Elias Lindholm is a number one center. He's not of the mold of Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, so on and so forth, but he is a legit number one center, and he's a number one center that has one year remaining on a contract that pays him $4.85 million. Yeah. So I sit, Great I price. take those offers, I evaluate what I get in those offers, whether it be a player for futures deal, whether it be a hockey trade, 
but I put him on the market and I evaluate what I get before I do anything else. Guys, I uh, I think even if it's funny because we talked a lot last summer, Francis, and I remember the the those days in July where where you and I were were texting, we're trying to like we're we're, we're deciphering the information we had on the the Matthew Kachuk front and uh, how it was all going to play out and. Um, it's re- it's not always the way it plays out where a player goes and sits down with a general manager, or in this case gets Craig Oster to call the general manager and say, hey, my guy's not going to sign and be that forthright. We want to we wanna give you an opportunity to do what's right for the team. Like That doesn't always happen. So I don't know if Elias Lindholm goes to the Flames and says, I'm not signing here. That's not always how an agent goes, goes about their business because the agent's job, especially with an unrestricted free agent in this circumstance, they don't always go about their business like that because they're trying to jack the value and, and get as much possible uh, and, and keep cards close to the vest. So in the event that they don't say straight up, we're not going to sign here long term, if you're the Flames and you're not getting the vibes that it's going to happen, and if you're not getting the vibes that there is a, a desire for him to sign, even if they don't outright say it, I still think you got to be okay with moving him, and I still think you have to be okay with seeing what you get. Um, first, number one most desirable option, re-sign the guy to a yes. long-term contract. That is That, to me, is the most desirable way to go about it, and I think mm-hmm. that they should actively try to chase that down. But if you're not getting the feel that it's happening or you're not making a lot of traction in doing that, then sometime in August or September or something like that or earlier, I think you got to be ready to make that trade. I think you got to be ready to, to pull that trigger. Well, and that's why you've got to be ready to, to make that offer, you know, we can all fool ourselves and pretend that they don't negotiate at all before July. No, 1st, no, it starts on July first. No texts or phone calls before July first. Yeah, it's never happened before. Uh, <laughs> correct. For, so, but you got to make sure that on July first, you've already had many conversations and texts, <laughs> uh, or at least if that never happens, and I'll be all go, I'll be gullible and pretend it never happened. You. On July 1st, you need to be ready to start having those hard conversations and or table at least an opening offer. And if you think that you could start making some headway, that's great, and you give it a couple weeks, couple months, whatever. I don't know if you go a couple months, but you're right in that not many guys are going to close the door completely and say, no, we're absolutely not signing here. You say, like Johnny did, hey, well, I don't know. Tell me what you think. Give me an offer. That's the best. That's the smartest business way to do it. Because what if the Flames come out of the gate and say, we'll give you $10 million a year, like they did with Huberto? Right. <laughs> then suddenly you're like, mm, now I'm interested. But, you know, the reality is this, guys. Of all the tools that you have at your disposal to sign a free agent, to entice someone to come to your city, the Calgary Flames really only have one, and that's to overpay. You don't have the building. You don't have Connor McDavid. You don't have a team on the precipice of winning a Stanley Cup. You don't have a coach who's overly exciting to play for. You you don't have weather. You don't have tax breaks. There are no advantages that you have when you're dealing with a guy that could go to 31 other teams except for overpaying. And that's how they got Huberto. And that's how they got Uyghur. And that's how they got Coleman. And that's how they got Kadri. You can't sell any other sizzle other than overpaying. And that's a problem when you're looking at the salary cap, when you're constantly overpaying for guys. And it's a big problem. It's not just a Calgary problem. It's a Canadian problem. 
It doesn't. Or a small market problem. It's a Buffalo and Columbus and those. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I think people forget how, how much of an obstacle that is when you're building your team, building your franchise, uh, because that, you know, there are some guys who have a lot of cities like Calgary in their contract where they can never be traded there. And we know that to be true too. So anyway, it's a big problem. And I think this is highlighting it uh, once again. All that we haven't even ta- we haven't even heard from the GM who doesn't have a contract, <laughs> and uh, from the head coach who uh, is a very large talking point in this city as well. All that, and we haven't even gotten there. So we'll have lots to talk about next week. Franchise, thank you, pal. For sure. And isn't it funny, right? Like I don't think when the season ended the other night, anybody said to themselves, "Well." This will be Elias Lindholm's last game as a flame. Like, I certainly thought that was a possibility, but, but it's not a talking point, right? Nobody, nobody's thinking about him. They're thinking about other UFAs and, oh, that's Milan Lucic's last game. But now with one press conference, it brought home, you know, what my theory was all along, which is he's not coming back. And now suddenly all these wheels start spinning and everybody's talking about it and the GM's got to address it. And Anyway, it's, it's amazing what one press conference could do to change the way everyone looks at things. And Monday will be no different. Are we, are we sure it's Monday? Well, I would assume it's going to be Monday. Uh, Tree Living and, and Sutter will be Monday or Tuesday or very in the very near future. I would think it's going to be Monday. Yeah, I would think so too. Uh, have a good weekend, pal. Cheers, boys. Have a great weekend. Eric Francis, Francis Fridays. Uh, Eric from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca, and he joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. With new product families, member rewards, and sale events, you'll find more quality, more savings in every department every day at Calgary Co-op. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. Continuing this hour from the Scotiabank, Saddledome, Vickers and Steinberg along with you. Uh, it is a Friday edition of Flamestock after we heard from, you counted it, 19 different players? I think it's 19 I have in my phone. Um, I'm not counting Matt Coronado who did some stuff with our good friend and Flamestock friend, Wes Gilbertson? I was there. Friend is kind of a stretch. Were I, you there? I was right there. Yeah. Okay. I only I see Wes, and I just get the blinders on because he's so That's charmingly fair. handsome and rugged and athletic and fascinating. Okay, move, and move on. Move on. Let's go. Let's, let's point go, out the fact go. that he's like 10 feet from let's us right now just so it doesn't on. sound weird. It's, you know, it's feeling weird. Okay. Wes is uncomfortable. I can Jealous tell. much? My <laughs> goodness. <laughs> wow. That's my jealousy that's coming out. You have beautiful, charming eyes. Thank you. That's it. You were in the middle of saying something, and then you... No, so that was just, okay, just one so compliment for you, nine for Wes. No, no, but you were like... I thought oh, there was a point 19 or okay, 20, somewhere in the vicinity Coronado. of... Okay, okay. That's how many players we spoke to today. Got you, I understand. I thought you were fishing for more compliments. No, I thought I was just waiting for you to finish your original thoughts. <laughs> You'd be surprised that I had an original thought, to be honest. Uh, so 19 players. Uh, Wes also spoke to Rizicka, so I guess we could bump 21? it up to 21 players that came out and spoke. That's a scoop. <laughs> They call that in the industry. It's some huge stuff, uh, big scoops, I'm sure, from that. Um, but we did not hear from the pot- 
potentially outgoing general manager. And I say that because only he doesn't. It's it's April 14th. Contractually. 82 games are done. He's, what, uh, a month and a half away from, or two and a half months away, I guess, from having his contract actually be up. His last day is June 30th. Um we did not hear from Brad True Living. We did not hear from Daryl Sutter on this Friday. We're going to hear from them early next week, which gives Flames Talk more content, so I'm all for that. Let's go. Um, but what, I, I, I honestly, I think I know what the first few questions to Tree are going to be, well. and they're going to be about his future, and I believe that he's going to be very well prepared for those questions, and I believe that he probably will deflect them because that's how Tree goes about his business. That's not a criticism either. He just He's, he's excellent at he's it. He's very good at deflecting, especially when it comes to things about him, and I, he, I don't think he'll have any interest in wanting to talk about it, but maybe maybe we'll get something from there, but I'm not, I'm not expecting anything groundbreaking in that respect from Brad you're living when he speaks next week no but the first question is going to be about his contract status whether he's... i was going to ask i was going to step up and ask you about the penalty kill that's what i was going to ask oh about is that a is that a callback burn kind of it's a really inside pat and west only joke so uh but you that's, got a grin that's all i that's all i could i do the show for me i don't do it for anybody we're else. just basically auditioning for west right now exactly. aren't we? And, and julian as well wow um, He's only been here a year, so the inside and happy jokes birthday, aren't happy going. birthday to Julian McKenzie. Happy two um, nine, two nine. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, there um, you go. But yeah, it's, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be the first three or four questions are probably going to be one will be just straight up. What can you tell us about our co- contract or whatever? Then a few of us will try to fish to see if we can get anything, and he'll probably continue to bat us down like uh, Dikembe Mutombo. And Ooh, uh, and then when it's all said and done, then we'll start to talk about the the rest of the season. So uh, I, I that, that's kind of what I'm, I'm expecting. I'm expecting us to try. I'm expecting not to get much there. I guess I'm more curious about what happens with Daryl and what the line of questioning is and where it goes. And because there's a lot of things that I think us who ask the questions and us who listen to fans and see what fans are talking about, and there's a lot of interesting things to ask Daryl, whether it's the utilization of Jacob Pelche down the stretch, whether it's the using Jonathan Huberto on the right wing or the juicy, juicy stuff and the relationship between him and Huberto or the relationship between him and Kadri, uh, Michael Backlund and Elias Lindholm and, and what their futures might be. Like There is a lot to discuss and I have no idea what we're going to get from Daryl. Typically in these settings, he's very, very talkative and, and very effusive. I remember the last couple of end-of-year conferences with Daryl. One of them was on Zoom, and one of them was in this building, and he's been very lengthy and forthcoming with his answers. So I, I don't know what to expect, but I am expecting him to give us some things to sink our teeth into when we hear from him because he, unlike Tree, he does have a contract for next season. What I'm curious to find out is obviously this season didn't go the way as planned for the Calgary Flames. So was this the wrong system for the personnel or did the personnel not execute the system the way it needed to be because you look up this is very clearly a shot volume team and minimized chances against team and they were certainly a shot volume team but their scoring chances didn't mimic the shot volume so was that the right utilization of the personnel you had or did that personnel not execute what should have been a system that worked for this group that's one of the telling ones for me 
again, you can go back to it. The rumored rift between he and Jonathan Huberto, the rumored rift between he and Nazem Kadri. Um, you can go into any number of different deployments, whether it's, you know, Huberto on the right. You mentioned Jacob Peltier, what went wrong in overtime. Um, is this simply a team that lacks a game breaker and you don't have the adequate personnel to put together the winner as you see fit? I think there's a million different ways you can go with Daryl. I think Tree comes back to a more simple line of questioning and it comes down to, and it starts right with, do you want to be here next year? I think it's going to be fascinating. I'm actually quite happy that they've split up the coach and GM uh, uh, versus the players, doing players on one yep. day, the executives on the other. I think it's a great formula because now there's also the opportunity of, well, Michael Backlund said this. Surely they've heard what Michael Backlund said, Elias Lindholm said. You can go down the list of players and what they said, and you can take that and you can go to the coach, you can go to the GM and apply what you've learned on Friday, April 14th, and whether it's Monday, April 17th, or Tuesday, April 18th, and go, look, this is the situation as per your players. How does it apply to your team? I, uh, yeah, I, I'm really interested to see how it all plays out. And I'm curious what the reaction is online when quotes start getting tweeted out and when people are watching it live. And uh, hopefully it'll be at a time when we can take it live. I think it probably will be. I'm guessing it'll be kind of in the noon range. So I, I, I just, I'm really curious. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. Um, what do we have for Calgary Flames going to the World Championships? Other than, are you going to the World Championships? I, I don't know. Is this going to be an official announcement? Yeah, I think it should be. I'm proud to announce that I will be the Flames Talk Family World Championship correspondent coming to you live from Riga, Latvia, as well as Finland for the duration of the tournament. The, no, the, no, no, no applause cue, the, no the, nothing. The, no. Joy, the joy in your face when you got to get to it now. Looking forward. To I mean, it, it was the exact opposite because I feel like Ooh, I was thrown under the bus a little bit. I feel like Wes Gilbertson's going to give a gear or two this way. He's kind of shrugging it off like he's downplaying the burn he's about to give me as soon as we get off air. But it is a loosely guarded secret that yes, I'm off to you. Okay, so that that do we other than you. Do we know who is going from the Calgary Flames or Calgary Flames adjacents? Uh, uh, all we know is Mackenzie Weger, right? Well, and Craig Conroy. Because Conroy He's will be, be an be assistant GM, GM for Team, team USA. USA. Yes. But players, uh, we know Mackenzie Weger. Uh, he told Brendan Parker of Flames TV that he will throw on the Canadian uniform and head over to Europe and play. So right now we're only at Mackenzie Weger for players that are going, right? Yes, I could see another handful. We know Rasmus Anderson won't with the lingering back injury from the car-slash-scooter accident uh, sustained in Detroit in February. Uh, a couple others that I'm trying to remember on the fly as we're So going. we know Troy Stetcher will not Correct, go. because he's a pending unrestricted free agent. Uh, Andrew Manchapani was very non-committal about it. Didn't it's, say no, but it was just kind of like it, I haven't really thought about yeah, it Yeah, it yet. sounded more like he hadn't pondered the, the option of going. Tyler Toffoli said uh, he like was thinking about it. It sounded He sounded more like if you were to lean one way, it sounded more like he w was going, but there's some family considerations there as well. Uh, we didn't. Uh, we didn't get a chance to ask Michael Backlund about it. I don't believe. No. Uh, as to whether nor Elias Lindholm. Um, I've, I I wonder a little bit about some of the U.S. guys on this team. Um, I think that you know. 
I, I wouldn't surprise me if Team USA asked a Hannafin or a Coleman to go. Um, so I, I wonder about that. Let me float a name by you real quick. And yep. Sorry to interrupt, but what's your vibe on Jacob Markstrom for Sweden? Because he talked at length about finding his game and getting there, and he was still going to put in continual work. I don't know. He wasn't asked. But that would be a good place to continue to build. And, and he reason, has the and, history of representing them. Just wanted to throw out the reason why wasn't asked is because they were going, they were pumping the yes. pretty quickly. It's not because we forgot or didn't want to. We just didn't necessarily have the opportunity. Um, yeah, I think that's a – I think Markstrom for Sweden would be an interesting one Now, there's some considerations with he and Lindholm with uh, young kids at home, newborns. So Vladar, a, Vladar for Czechia would be an interesting one. Ruzicka for Slovakia, Slovakia would be an interesting one. So there are some – but as of right now, there's only one confirmed player going to the World Championships, and that's Mackenzie Weger. And I, if I'm him, I do the exact same thing. The the momentum that he has right now with his game, I'd want to keep it going. Now the the worlds don't start for another what three weeks, four weeks? What is it? May twelfth, I believe. Yeah, so we're about four weeks away from the start of of world starting. So you're going to get a little bit of a break there. But the momentum he's got with his season and the way that his game has has rounded into form uh, has been really impressive. Like, there's a lot of guys that I'm sure might get asks, and you know you wonder does a guy like Jonathan Huberto get an ask, and does he have an interest in going? over there and seeing if maybe there's a little positivity that he can get after the negativity that followed his season. So I just, I, I'm curious to see how many guys do end up going to Latvia and Finland for the World Championships. I don't think there'll be a shortage of asks from the Calgary Flames. I'll be curious to see who does, as we talked about, get confirmed because there's certainly, it's, it is a long season. There's bumps and bruises. A guy like Nazem Kadri have had surgery on his thumb in the offseason, short offseason with winning the cup from the sta- uh, cup with the Colorado Avalanche. And he mentioned this in our media avail that there were some bumps and bruises and things that lingered that weren't enough to take him out of the lineup, but enough to certainly impact his play. We don't know the full extent of the health of the Calgary Flames, but again, I don't think there's going to be any shortage of invites. And I believe uh, Parker, Mr. Parker did also report that there was an invitation uh, that was uh, tabled to Jonathan Huberto, so he's uh, deciding that. So uh, we know that Toffoli has been called, and, and we'll see maybe uh, maybe a guy like Huberto does end up going. I think it would be – I look, I'm not him – nor am I his advisor, nor am I somebody close to him, nor am I a family member, blah, 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 blah. But just from the outside, you're like, it might be good for him to go. Hockey Canada treats you right. You get an opportunity. So they're playing in Riga. Is that where most Yes, that's where their pool will start. And then the tournament shifts over to Finland. So you get a pretty cool opportunity to hang out in Latvia. And their pre-tournament is in Budapest. See, which is so, my number one city. Okay. It always comes back to Vickers. <laughs> always um, to me. La- I've heard Latvian hockey fans are awesome. Like, it just would be a cool experience and a little positivity, and maybe you can win another gold medal. Like It's not the Stanley Cup. It's not the Stanley Cup playoffs. But for a guy, and I, I, I think specifically of Huberto, when it was Lou who brought this up first on either the second last or last game of the season. must have been the last game of the season because they were eliminated. Just I think it would do a lot of good things for or we have the potential anyway of doing a lot of good things for just the the mental side of things knowing how negative this year has been if you can go and have a positive experience in a lovely spring european situation like why not if 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 you're looking for that again i can't tell him what to do nor can i i don't know him well enough to be able to say yes or no it'll be positive i just think it's got the potential of being something really cool for him well and you're also playing meaningful hockey in the month of may and i I think it was Johnny Goudreau who told me this. I don't want to necessarily say it was him because I don't remember 100%. But 
if it was him, he said this. I want to learn how to play hockey into May. I want to learn how to play into late spring because eventually that's the goal. Is if you're an NHL, or, and again, to bring it back to Michael Backlund, you want to win a Stanley Cup, you've got to learn how to play into May and June. And this just extends your season. Yes, you're not on the ice every day between the last game of the regular season and the first game of the start of the World Championship, but you're still in training mode. You're still, you're still keeping up, and then you're playing basically do-or-die games as you get into the quarterfinals, semifinals, so on and so forth. So it is a great learning curve in terms of playing late into the spring. Do you have any other, would you like to reflect it to your traveling experiences? Any, any other tie-ins that you can... Well, I am flying into Frankfurt, and I will have a little layover, but that was more on your advice about where you have been, Pat, yeah. and the cities in Europe you have enjoyed. So I'm deferring to you on have the you expertise. Made you, have you made your decision yet? In terms of? What you're going to do? I've only got like five hours, so I'm going to go in, have a beer, go out. Yeah, Frankfurt's saying it's okay. It's cool. It's cool. It's Look just, at this guy. Eh, it's okay. No, just in terms of like I've never it been. Doesn't to, impress never, me much. He I've says I've never been to Budapest, but oh, I don't think Ibiza? Would, I don't think it would be the same. It's more. It's uh, Frankfurt's cool, but it's more like a it's a North American European city. Budapest. More, Budapest more, more beautiful than Prague. Um, Enjoy your time there. You've got a little ways until you're going. Uh, that'll start to wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk. Thanks to Eric Francis. Thanks to Aaron Vickers. He's on Twitter at AA Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg, and that'll wrap us up. Uh, this hour on Flames Talk's been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to alike system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.